In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing protecting teens. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, Youth at Risk. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible. This verse is Deuteronomy 22, verse 25, and it reads like this. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in, a, in the field, and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. So that's a pretty severe punishment, um, or maybe not. I mean, I guess, it's, um, I guess the reason I say it's severe punishment of death is because that's, of course, we don't do that anymore. Um, rape is not a capital punishment, but very maybe it should be. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Not just rape, but abuse of teens that happen within the church and sometimes in connection to the church in events, or possibly this is something that's happening at home or when the, that teen that's part of our ministry is out and about doing their life, and there's predators out there. And there's a lot of things that we can do to help protect them. Before I continue, I do want to remind you to share this program with the rest of your team, with people that work with the teens, with people that work with any children really at your church, with the staff and volunteers to get this conversation going. You know, we all kind of Many of us grew up in a generation where we just did not want to talk about this kind of stuff, right? Our parents didn't talk to us about it. Um, the, the school system wasn't doing a very good job with talking to us about it. And so really a lot of sex ed, if you will, was coming from just friends. And what did our friends know? Absolutely nothing. And so this topic still has a little bit of taboo to it. And... Um, and that's not good because in the darkness is where predators get their power. And so we know throughout history that these types of sexual assaults, taking advantage of teenagers and other children, has been going on probably since the very first teenager. I mean, it's just been going on almost forever. And so we have to start... We have to pull it into light. One of the things that I was recently looking at was the FBI statistics. And one of the things that it showed is that the number of sex, sexual assaults in churches is increasing. And, but I don't think that's exactly what the numbers mean. What I think the numbers actually mean is not that there's more of these events, though that's a possibility. I think what's happening is we're creating a culture where kids will go and talk to their parents, where kids will talk to their youth minister, where kids will talk to other people about what's happening to them, and they feel a little freer to do so. And this is a good thing. Now, it shows that there's more cases at churches um, or connected to churches, but like I said, I don't think I don't think it's that there's more happening. I just think victims are coming forward now, and that's a good thing. And so let me 
let me like I said, please share this. Get this out there at your church. Get this conversation going. As difficult and as uncomfortable as it can be, do that. The other thing is drop into the notes, show notes and get the show notes. Click on the link, put in your email address. We automatically send you those show notes and then uh, you can talk with people about it. So make sure you do that. So let's get into some news stories here. The first one is New York City, November 30th, 1997. So a while ago, uh, members of a church saw the youth pastor as a father figure to church, the church's teens. That was until police officers showed up on Sunday morning and arrested him. He was charged with sexually abusing a 14-year-old boy um, for four months. All right, next one, Staten Island, New York City, January 2014. A female basketball coach at a Christian high school resigned after it became widely known that she was having sex with a 16-year-old student, um, male student. Another female coach who was sleeping with a female student also resigned and as did the school's athletic director, director who knew about the affairs. All right, Rancho Cucamonga, California. I'm probably butchering that. I'm sorry about that. This is July 22nd, 2021. So just last year. Um, the founding pastor of a church was arrested for sexual abuse of a minor under the age of 14. An investigation began in April after a girl reported to the sheriff's office that he had been sexually abused from her um, from age 9 to age 12. So here it is again, kind of what I already said, is the culture now, kids are, are, are empowered now to report these kind of things. Um, but still, this was going on for a long time before this child reported it. Uh, Bridgepoint, West Virginia, April 12, 2022, so this year. A girl reported to police that a Morgantown man w um, had abused her sexually for four years from age 14 until she was 18. He was arrested and charged with sexual abuse of a minor. Forest City, Arkansas, April 4, 2022, also this year. Police filed charges of child sexual abuse against a now former youth pastor of a church. At least four girls filed police reports against him. One, age 17, um, said he repeatedly hugged her closely when she was 14, then persuaded her to have sex with him in the church when she was 15. So this, is, I, I just want to break off here real quick on this one. Some, of, some churches and some people are hugging kind of people. And we have to decide... If we're going to, you know, what the rules are going to be for youth leaders or people working with teenagers of what kind of physical a touch is appropriate. Now, I'm not going to tell you that there should be no hugging, but maybe there shouldn't be any hugging. You know, it's something that we have to examine and something that we have to look at because what part of the grooming process, and I don't want to freak you out at all but part of the grooming process usually starts verbally right so they're talking to them and they start out um, you know so you have the predator and the prey and the predator will introduce uh, sexual innuendos very light very small 
to see if the kid's going to be okay with that kind of talking or at least grooming them to accept that kind of talk. And then, of course, that talk continues on and on and on and gets more intense. Somewhere along the line, they introduce touch. Now, it could be something very, very small, like putting their hand on their arm or on their shoulder. It could be hugging. It can be those other kind of things to get them used to the predator touching them. And then, of course, between that sexual talk and between that increased, uh, increasing touch and more intimate touch, then they're, they're well on their way. They've laid that foundation to start taking it to the next level, which can result in sex. So knowing those early steps of that grooming, are we looking for those kind of things? You know, we've talked about the importance of policy. Absolutely no sexual innuendo, sexual talk of any kind around youth. And that seems like a no-brainer. Of course, that's a rule. But you got to write it down. It's got to be enforced. We've also talked about having a policy where youth leaders cannot be contacting kids directly. I mean, these days, we all have these cell phones and texting ability. A lot of kids basically live on their phone just talking to all kinds of people all at the same time. Do we want our youth leaders, do we want our children's ministry people to have this direct contact with these kids? I think it's not a good idea. If you got a program going on, you got a special event going on, you, can't, you, you talk to that child through their parents. And the reason that is, is this, is what, you know, how can we monitor sexual innuendo and sexual talk and even photographs and those kind of things if we allow our youth leaders to have contact. If you have a policy like that and one of your leaders, one of your volunteers is having these kind of contacts with kids, I mean, you can let them go right off the bat. You can take immediate action. That needs to be a very strong rule. Um, con we, we need to talk to our kids through their parents, not directly with the kids. Now, there might be exceptions to that rule, but that's something you and your church have to talk about and argue about, quite frankly, of what's going to be the right policy for you. Now, I understand sometimes you absolutely have to have, you know, especially older teenagers, you know, 16, 17 um, years old, and they're driving around in cars and everything else, there might be a need for that kind of communication. But then that's something that we have to talk about, right? That's something where it's like, hey, I got to let the, the, you know, the children's ministry director know, I got to let the pastor know, I got to let the safety director know that I have to have direct contact with this person. And then those, those text messages should be able to be reviewed. We just have to really, we have to lock things down. And I know that sounds absolutely horrible. I mean, we got a couple things going on here right now. One, we just hate thinking about this. We hate talking about it. A lot of us grew up in a generation where there was none of this kind of discussion. It was just taboo. You just didn't touch it. Then I'm asking you to tighten down these rules on people that, hey, I've known you forever. I've been part of this church forever. And now you're going to put all these restrictions on me. How am I going to do my ministry? How am I going to do all that stuff? You can see this is, but once, <laughs> it's a lot. I get it. It's a lot. But we have to start having these conversations. We have to start having some restrictions. We need to start, you know, enforcing those restrictions 
because we have to protect our kids. We have to protect them. And then not only that, we need to protect our volunteers. You know, even a false accusation could cause a lot of trouble, a lot of ripples. But if you have these safeguards in place and people are following those safeguards, they're also creating a certain amount of insulation for themselves, right? This is like, I never talk to teenagers on text messages. So if all of a sudden a teenager popped up and said, hey, Chris Maloney's been sending me inappropriate text messages, it'd be like, look at my phone. You know, you're more than welcome to review all my text messages. I'm not in contact with this kid at all. Or, you know, so that's kind of what I'm getting at here. These things protect the volunteers, the staff, and really the church all in, in general. So getting these rules in place, we have to start doing that. Um, other things I want to talk about, we already kind of touched on the last time we talked about this, you know, this topic, we talked about the importance of vetting. And so doing a background check through an organization like protectmyministry.com you know, or some sort of comprehensive background check. We need more. If, if you're only paying $10, $15 or maybe even $20 for a background check, you're paying money for nothing. You're getting a really poor product. You need to start looking at larger companies, more comprehensive companies that are going to look into all this kind of stuff. I love Protect My Children. Um, I also like, we also talked about the uh, Drew, the Drew Shadeen National Sex Offenders Public Website. That's where you can run people. Now, if they're volunteering for a position, they have to sign some sort of waiver that says, that's notifying that you are going to be doing this, that you are going to be checking them. But once you have them sign that release, you go ahead and you check those people. If they say they refuse to sign the, the release, then good, you can't serve and you probably dodged a bullet there. So make sure you're using those two things. Um, and so I'm, that's it for vetting. You can go back and um, listen to the other program for that. Other than that, we have to start having that this conversation also includes getting to a point where we're, the church, is teaching and, and ed educating kids about these things. If not the kids directly, their parents. Maybe you put together some kind of special program that teaches parents the importance of having these difficult conversations with their kids, you know, and that we're giving them directions like, hey, mom, dad, you know, be realistic with your kids. You know, educate yourself about how to talk to them. Um, you know, make sure you have these conversations. You create this open environment for these conversations. You know, talk to our kids about consent. The Drew Shadeen website has some things about how parents can talk to their kids about sex. And maybe that's a starting point. Now, I know it's secular, but it's just a starting point, right? We don't want to start with a blank sheet of paper. So you could go over there. You could do some research, look at this kind of materials, and then you can make it appropriate for what you want to do and what would your pastor would want to do or whoever leads the, the parents' ministry. Um, you know, you can do that yourself. But you get my point here is we could at least be talking to the parents about how they can talk to their kids. And this wouldn't even have to be an ongoing thing. It could just be an event, right? You know, a Wednesday night event or a Tuesday night event where, where the pastor says we're inviting every, all the parents of kids 
you know, grade school kids or whatever, juveniles under 18 years old, to come to this thing. And we want to talk to you about the importance of talking to your kids about sex. And the pastor could have this, have that sermon, have that meeting with those parents. Teach them, arm them, give them what they need so they're talking to their kids. The next step, if possible, and it's appropriate for the culture of your church, is maybe this is something that's talked about, you know, age appropriately at different points in the, as the kids move forward. I have to think that there are probably a lot of teen ministries out there, teen ministries out there, where where they do have they do talk about this on occasion. I mean, if we're, it's a teen ministry, we you know we're going to have to talk to them about sex, drugs, and alcohol, right? We have to do that because that's where they are. That's their life at that point. They see what their friends are doing. Maybe they're doing some of these things, and we have to be addressing it. So. Just something for you guys to think about. I know it's not a fun topic. In fact, if you're watching this video right now and you're or you're listening to the podcast right now, you're actually part of a very rare group of people. Because one of the things I get I get the numbers of how many people watch the YouTube videos and how many people um, listen to the podcast. And every time I talk about this topic, it drops in half. What does that tell you? It tells what it tells me is this is such an uncomfortable topic. Nobody wants to touch it with a 10-foot pole. They don't want to listen to it. They don't even want to hear it. I mean, listening is a passive activity. They don't even want to hear it. And that's why predators are so successful and will continue to be successful. So this is on you. You're one of those few people out there that will actually listen. Now it's about taking action and what that action is. Now I'm not saying you need to lead this parents, you know, special meeting with parents to tell them, of, teach them how to talk to their kids about sex, but at least pass on the information. Have this conversation with somebody who's gifted for that kind of thing. And that's really part of being a sheepdog. You know, you're here to protect the kids. And a lot of times we think about physical attack or abduction from an estranged parent or all these different kind of things. But this is huge too. This is, this is really, really big. And this has to be part of our plan. This has to be part. And this is a preventative piece. Because if it happens at church property and all that stuff, you're going to have a lot to do, but it's too late. We want to stop it if we all can. Other than that, next week... Next week, um, we have open enrollment because September 11th, we're starting the first online training event. That's the first Sunday, 3 p.m. Central Time, so you have to adjust for time, where I'm going to be teaching these courses one after another. We have eight now, so I think I've mentioned already the Mass Trauma uh, course is done. So we have eight modules now in our certification program. And we're going to start September 11th and every single week after that, uh, we're moving on to the next module, to the next module, to the next module until we get them all done. And then I start all over again. So if you miss something, you can look at the schedule. I'm going to be hitting again. Or as you know, you can train with me or you could also train on your own time or some combination thereof. So anyway, the point is this is the new academy year is starting very, very soon. Open enrollment is coming up. 
this is the time to sign up. This is the time to get your certification. And we've added so much. I mean, we've we have <laughs> we have become as um, gosh, I don't even know the way to put this. We're trying to help you in every way possible. The online training event, so you can just train with me, or and or you can train on your own time in your own computer. We're setting up office hours where I'm making myself available just for questions and answers about the materials or what's going on at your church. We've added that. We're added a new alumni association, so you even get connected with people that are in your area to work through problems or help each other. I mean, doing everything I could possibly think of um, to make to help you safeguard the church. So other than that, if you like this video, please like, share, comment, all that good stuff. It's really appreciated. Other than that, thank you so much for being here this week. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.